0: Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. All right. Well, welcome to the GC On Demand podcast. My name is Eric Wright. Thank you for joining us again this week. Uh, we've had a an interesting an interesting backlog that we've been trying to attack here, and the the cool thing is we look for good opportunities to bring folks uh, into the show and and share with our audience. Uh, we've we've got a really exciting growing audience, and thank you all for listening. This has been a real blast to to sort of share our stories. Uh, in fact, the, one of the more recent podcasts, you heard me share one of my terrible and awful travel stories. Uh, so that's that's been a lot of fun. So, of course, if you don't already know me, my name is Eric Wright. Uh, I can be found. I'm at DiscoPosty on Twitter, or I'm also DiscoPosty in the Green Circle community, which is at greencirclecommunity.com. And that's where you're going to find the show notes to the podcast if you go to gcondemands.io as well. Uh, today, we've got a, a bit of a, a follow-on from an announcement that I'm very proud to be able to bring, uh, and this is an exciting time for a good uh, friend of mine through the industry and, and a great community supporter as well. I'd like to welcome Madura Muskaski, uh, and she's uh, a, a co-founder at Platform9, has a long-standing uh, history in the industry. So, Madura, welcome. If you want to Introduce yourself, uh, talk about where we can find you online, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some exciting announcements that happened with Platform 9.
1: Fantastic. Um, Eric, thank you for having me again. It's always great to connect with you. Um, I am Madura Mascowski. I am uh, one of the co-founders at Platform 9 Systems and VP of Products. Um, And a little bit of background about me before starting Platform 9, I spent about eight plus years um, at VMware, primarily as part of their virtualization team, um, building and architecting uh, their vision of private cloud infrastructure management uh, products. Um, And so that's where me and my co founders gained a lot of expertise, experience in working with large-scale enterprise customers. Um, Today, Platform 9 solves similar problems, but using a very unique software-as-a-service approach. So we empower a uh, SaaS-managed hybrid cloud using best of breed open source technology. Um, the best way to find me online is um, either via Twitter, at Madura um, Muskaski. You can always DM me, um, or uh, on LinkedIn.
0: Excellent. Now, talking Platform9, I, I want to start, you know, we had some, some good investment announcements that just came out, so congratulations to you and the whole team on this. I, I'm always, I've been a longtime fan of, of Platform9 and the way that you're approaching these challenges that we're facing in the industry, especially because when we started out, OpenStack is near and dear to my heart, uh, and and your team sort of started. That was one of the first you know vectors at which you chose to uh, attack a, a real active problem and solved it in a very unique and, and successful way. And then have done so much more now in entering into Kubernetes and and containers uh, ecosystem as well. So it's pretty cool, but. You just got some new funding, uh, and we we saw some very interesting folks that joined in as part of that. So, if you want to talk about where things are right now, we have Series C, and 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 specifically, I'd love to talk about the HPE participation and some neat stuff around that.
1: Absolutely. So the the company is at a very exciting phase. Um, we just raised, as you mentioned, Eric. Our uh, most recent round of funding, which is our CDC round, uh, we raised about 22 million um, from both our existing investors, which is Red Point Ventures and Member Ventures. They both participated as well as we got uh, a set of uh, exciting new um, venture partners uh, with Canvas Ventures leading our investment round, um, along with participation from um, HPE, uh, HPE Pathfinder Ventures. Uh, also participated, um, and so um, you know this continues the trend of having uh, some of the world-class um, investors in the Silicon Valley uh, participating in and uh, supporting uh, PlasmaMine's uh, vision, a uh, mission on making hybrid clouds fundamentally simpler using open-source technologies. Um, so, very exciting time for the company. Uh, it also comes at a time where um, uh, the product um, uh, has seen a pretty tremendous amount of growth. So we've grown our customer base uh, by about 360% or so. At this point, we have about 70 plus um, enterprise customers, uh, and we are about a three and a half year old company. So we're pretty proud of um, you know the, the the profile and the growth. Uh, of customers that we've seen since our first product became generally available, uh, which was about two years ago, um, in, in um, you know a number of customers uh, that we boast as part of our uh, portfolio are some of the very well-known enterprise customers, right? Folks like um, Cadence Design Systems and Autodesk and a lot of well-known Silicon Valley companies, Splunk, Pure Storage. Uh, are just some examples um, then your classic enterprise customers like uh, Blue Class Blue Shield or Airbus uh, are uh, representative of uh, you know a, a, a platform and a product portfolio that is widely applicable across um, any mid to large size enterprise customers as a whole. Um, so all in all, um, very exciting time for the company. Um, We're also excited about the fact that, um, along with Canvas Ventures, who led the round, HPE um, participated in the round, um, and and this shows their belief in uh, this vision about uh, the next generation cloud infrastructure being managed by open source technologies, uh, and that's starting to become the norm of how uh, enterprises look at and manage their uh, cloud deployments.
0: Now, one of the things, I want to call it a couple of really cool things. And for folks that don't necessarily dig in like an, like an investment nerd, like I do on some of these things, but there's an important part of the fact that you have both existing investors that continue to grow their investment with you, which is a really, really it's a significant sign of, of the faith in, in the vision and what you're achieving, which is very, very cool. A lot of people don't, don't catch that they're just like oh you know they just see a funding round they just like some random selection of, of investors that joined on but seeing the progressive investment is a very very strong sign and like you said seeing uh seeing hp jump in as well and, and other folks and also again you know congratulations to watch the growth of the customer side so yeah it's it's hard to imagine in in the only three plus just over three plus years that have been been watching things grow. I I almost forget how young the company is. So it's, it's very, very cool to watch as things evolved. That is absolutely right. Yeah.
1: Um, very exciting for sure.
0: The, the one thing that I really, really love is the approach of the idea of using open source platforms, as a way to advance enterprise requirements and enterprise IT needs and, and solving that problem. Cause I think what's happened is a lot of folks in the industry and have, have tried to solve those problems with those very same tools. And then we realize, you know, it's like that classic thing they say, I have a problem and I tried to solve it with regex and now I have two problems that often happened with OpenStack and with Docker and with Kubernetes and people were, were, thinking that that was going to be the thing that would solve the problem. But in fact, it didn't solve the the cultural challenge they were facing in adopting this style of infrastructure. And then on top of that, having day two operations in place to operate that new thing that they thought was going to solve the problem. And they they genuinely now have two distinct challenges in front of them. And so for this service approach, you know, how... Obviously, like you talked about your history and seeing it happen in in enterprise. How do you find that enterprises are seeing that as a value? Like it's, did you find it difficult, you know, three and a half, four years ago, as you explained this concept to people, it seemed like it was right at the cusp where people started to get that a service subscription approach to these things was probably the right way to go. But you really felt like you led the charge on a lot of that.
1: We definitely do. Um, and the world has transformed so much since the time that we started the company. That was not not too long ago, but three and a half years is a significant amount of time in, um, in um, a, a Silicon Valley and when it comes to uh, a technology evolution. Um, so when we started, um, we had a thesis. What we thought was uh, we are introducing a model, uh, which is SaaS-managed hybrid infrastructure, which is having our um, OpenStack deployment or any other future open source frameworks that we deploy uh, be hosted partially outside of our customers' data centers, while still managing infrastructure and workloads that are located within their data centers. Right? Um, and that approach had really not been done. Uh, in using that model at all by any other infrastructure vendor prior to us, right? Um, There were some similar deployments where the entire infrastructure including control plane and data plane would be deployed on premise but would be would have remote visibility uh, but nobody had really struck this balance which I believe we did for the first time where your control plane itself is located outside of your um, your customers data centers right um, and there's a massive amount of benefit in architecting our model this way if you do it right um, benefit in terms of your um, reliability your upgradability the kind of SLA you are able to promise to your end users because the kind of uh, visibility and um, automated control you have um, on that um, management infrastructure, uh, it's just untavel to any other traditional deployment model. Um, and so our thesis was that because this model is so fundamentally new and unique to what enterprise infrastructure management teams are used to, um, we believe that about 50% of folks that we approach are uh, outright going to show us the doors, right, and tell us, there's no way uh, I'm going to be okay with this model. Um, and then the remaining 50% are actually going to be extremely inviting and are, are going to love the model because they're going to really understand the benefits. <clears throat> Well, the reality has been that since we started the company, uh, you know, just the notion of using software as a service more for um, enterprise uh, management or, or enterprise applications has starting to become a lot more popular, right? Uh, I think the big reason for that is public clouds have just become such an integral integral part of uh, our, our day-to-day lives. Uh, or the lives of uh, infrastructure users within enterprises. And once you are completely open to deploying significant chunks of your, your workloads, your data on a public cloud, you really start understanding the benefits of SaaS and you start becoming a lot more open to any uh, a, a, any software or any service that offers similar benefits to you. Uh, provided that you have uh, that you know they have your trust or you have their trust in terms of uh, still adhering to your security compliance and other policies um, and so long story short we were completely uh, and pleasantly surprised where we uh, where, when we found that the actual adoption rate was much higher than what we predicted uh, what the enterprise customers were asking us for is to prove to them that we have the, the security compliance and all of the other needs that a large enterprise has completely covered. Um, and we do that, right? Security is of, of absolute importance to us because this is our core bread and butter. Um, so as long as we are able to prove that test, uh, we found that majority of enterprises are extremely welcoming of this approach. Um, so that has, been, uh, that has been a very exciting journey, and we, we believe that um, this is just the beginning, right? Meaning uh, the combination of using best-of-breed open source frameworks and then delivering them with a beautifully lightweight as-a-service experience, we think, is the only way in which infrastructure software should ever be delivered, because otherwise you're just never going to compare against uh, the public cloud. And so there is more to come from Platform 9 in terms of the what open source tools and technologies we support on top of kind of our core platform that today consists of OpenStack for virtualization and Kubernetes for containers, and now Fission for serverless.
0: Well, that's and that's a neat one too. Uh, I've I've spoken with uh, with some of the folks on the team about. A uh, efficient and and I actually got a chance to see a, a demo of it, and and we're seeing that out in the wild at some of the, the Kubernetes meetups and such. And this idea of serverless, event-driven type of uh, infrastructure, but being able to do it on premises and and do it on your your native platforms, it's very very cool. Because I think, again, as as you talked about, that cloud has become such an integral part of how to get this velocity of doing application development in these new methods that we I think as a general rule the industry is starting is aligned that we're all going in this new way you know we call it cloud native or whatever the the phrasing you're going to attach to it but this new you know sort of loosely coupled microservices type of approach people are really digging into it we're still going to have traditional stuff but it's going to be less and less and as we refactor you're going to find it happening and then when it comes to cost and the method, you know, I love this idea of of the 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 event-driven serverless architecture in conjunction with great container orchestration, in conjunction with traditional IaaS and now this managed service-based, subscription-based, you know, IaaS infrastructure management. it's, it's kind of the perfect combination because it's I mean, you could probably confirm for me we didn't get rid of one thing to take on the new one, which is this weird thing that a lot of people think that we have to do. So if you're going to use OpenStack, you have to get rid of VMware and Rev and, and do all this. Like, no, we're adding it to the portfolio because it solves a specific challenge. So when you're walking in environments, Madura, what's, are you seeing a lot of folks that have, are generally still going ahead with multiple like, layers in their infrastructure approach?
1: We certainly do, and we we think um, that it's a myth uh, to assume that when a new form of uh, technology or abstraction uh, is introduced, that it completely subsumes and replaces the older one. Right? Uh, I think if you map the trend, just kind of going back historically, uh, virtualization did a significant shift uh, to uh, you know to bare metal infrastructure, but there still are today large pools of bare metal uh, infrastructure capacity that still get deployed for, for the right reasons of uh, performance, latency, uh, compliance, or other uh, other uh, aspects, right? So um, we believe 100% that these new paradigms that are introduced through uh, containers and microservices and, uh, you know, we think that tomorrow that trend is gonna lead itself to serverless, um, uh, you, you know, we believe that these paradigms are. Significant, and we that we're going to see a big transformation in terms of a large chunks of workload incrementally getting transitioned, transformed to be rewritten for these new paradigms. Uh, but it's not gonna be, never gonna be a 100% replacement, right? Virtualization is gonna stay around for a significant period of time. Um, and, and as as these technolo- technology progressions happen, they simplify end users' lives. They certainly simplify software developers' lives, right? That's the one reason they didn't come so popular. At the same time, they do add a, uh, a non-trivial complexity to the DevOps or the IT organizations that are responsible for managing this infrastructure, because they do still need to keep, keep maintaining the bare metal servers and the virtualized stack, but now they're asked to also manage uh, this, you know, yet another thing, which is uh, microservices, and and they're told that hey, uh, we're also interested in Amazon Lambda, which is the serverless technology, so uh, you know, just keep that in mind. So, uh, so that's That's the kind of world we're in. And our approach from Platform9 is while we are and we're going to continue uh, associating ourselves with or participating in this uh, evolution of technology, uh, we took the lead on and... uh, created Fission, which is becoming the leading serverless framework, uh, kind of the de facto serverless framework on top of Kubernetes. Um, We were the team that built that because we believe that transition is going in that direction. At the same time, uh, platform nine is, the hybrid powered platform today, that also lets you run your bare metal workloads, audio virtualized workloads, and you can do just that if that's all your infrastructure needs are today. But you do that knowing that tomorrow when you're ready to do the transition to say microservices or serverless, we also got you covered. And
0: the, For folks that haven't taken a look at Fission yet, they should. Uh, Of course, it's open source, so it's on GitHub. And what's encouraging there, uh, which I really enjoy, is the fact that there's more than just the Platform 9 team contributing and and growing that, which, again, is the old classic. I remember it was, I think it was Interop last year. uh, There was a great panel, and they talked about, you know, just putting your code on GitHub doesn't mean it's open source. It, it's, it may be open code, but it's an open source community. It doesn't just immediately wrap around it. You have to have more than just your team contributing in order to really get that velocity development. So it's, it's good that you've seen that uptake. And how how do you find that people are doing in the industry with like looking at fishing and, and taking that as a, a way they should do things?
1: So we've found... Um, Fusion adoption, uh, the reception for fusion to be extremely positive. Um, you know what 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 the Kubernetes community is uh realizing has realized uh, over a period of time now that uh, Kubernetes has risen to be the uh, the de facto framework of choice at this point uh, for container orchestration. Right, so we. Fundamentally believe, and I think at this point everyone agrees that the the container orchestration war has been won, um, and Kubernetes is the winner. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, uh, a framework such as Kubernetes, which is uh, extremely powerful, and it keeps innovating at the pace of about uh, a new release every three months or so, right? Um, Keeps introducing additional layers of or amounts of complexity, along with all that uh, the powerful feature set that it produces, and so um, it, it kind of, you know, presents a need uh, for for a certain layer that can, even if it can start by simplifying uh, some of the most common tasks that end-users, developers will routinely do with Kubernetes. Um, for example, just, uh, you know, consuming Kubernetes-specific uh, uh, Kubernetes events, say, and triggers and, uh, you know, being able to utilize them for your application performance or other kinds of data uh, in a much more easier way. Uh, that will result in, um, uh, you know, less redundant code and, uh, simplification of life for a lot of developers. Um, so that's kind of the model or approach that Fission has taken, right? So Fission tries to bring that, uh, you know, the same value add that Lambda, AWS Lambda provides, but in an, a fully open source context because you can run it anywhere. Um, and we see that the community really understands and sees the value in it, right? So we've, it, since we got it, it launched, We've seen a number of users at large-scale retail companies, for example, saying we have it deployed already and it's satisfying, simplifying these use cases for us, so we really like it. Uh, We've seen the community building a user interface for it, additional language bindings beyond what we built. So, for example, someone built .NET language binding and there's a lot more. Um, We have a fantastic team of interns who's joined our team today uh, from across the world. Uh, who reached out to us and expressed their strong interest in joining the team. And so we had the great task of selecting from all of these um, enthusiastic folks who wanted to be, um, you know, wanted to physically join the team and be part of uh, this development. So, um, you know, it's a very, very uh, great sign of, uh, you know a, a framework that we we are committed to investing a lot into. Um, you know the lead architect Som Vasani, who uh, who started the framework, uh, has a pretty fantastic and grand vision. In fact, uh, it might be exciting, uh, interesting for you to invite him on the podcast at some point if you think that makes sense. Because he has really great perspective on where he thinks the the whole Kubernetes evolution along with serverless is going to go. Uh, but so we're seeing that being adopted well by the community. Um, Burns uh, presented a video recently where he was demonstrating how you deploy this cool new technology, Fission, on top of Microsoft Azure's uh, Kubernetes offering, and there have been other very similar uh, presentations, talks uh, by the community. Um, so, which is which is really great, which is what we want to see.
0: That's right, And it's again it's you've you've come with a vision and an execution and and the 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 community's wrapping around it, which is nice so i' it's and yeah someone would be great we will definitely have him on uh, so i'll I'll get that scheduled up because he he gave me a great demo and and really uh emoted the value that that there that he has and what he's trying to bring it's it's very very cool he tells the story very very well and so before before we you know, think that this is all, you know, unicorns, rainbows, and enjoyment. You know, I think as an industry, we now have a challenge because as this infrastructure consumption model becomes better, consistent, easier, we can accept it. So in a perfect world, we've accepted that we're going to have, you know, service, a service-controlled IaaS layer, service-controlled container orchestration, service-controlled functions as a service but here's the challenge right they come from a traditional virtualization background or they come from a traditional bare metal and mix and match uh you know they've still got mainframe they still got this and that what are the challenges that we as an industry and businesses are going to face now in making better use of this new stack of infrastructure model
1: Yeah, and, and that's the question that we typically find our customers asking um, or expressing to us in the form of the pain points that they're seeing as a result of this uh, the evolution that's been happening, right? And it's it, um, you know it, it's interesting because we we got to be part of this journey since when virtualization really started becoming mainstream, as we were um, you know we were working at VMware at that time and. Uh, we were very fortunate to be part of that revolution. Um, and so, you know, what, the way we visualize this, uh, you know, the current lay of the land uh, is uh, across two axes, right? And it's uh, difficult to visualize when you don't have it in front of me, uh, in, in front of you in your eyes. But, uh, you know, we think that on one end, you have these uh, monolithic kind of discrete applications uh, that were fairly limited in scale, and that were typically scaled up, right? And these were the kind of workloads or applications that would get deployed on physical servers and to a large extent even on virtualized infrastructure, right? Um, but then as infrastructure as a service was introduced, it started breaking the paradigm a little bit and the focus was more on scaling out versus scaling up, um, you, you know, and, and hence achieving better, higher availability, uh, better fault tolerance, better scalability, reliability, all of those benefits. Um, and so that's where infrastructure as a service started leading the trend, uh, then platform as a service, um, kind of uh, simplified it even further. Uh, and today, microservices sort of is all about continuing on that trend and uh, simplifying uh, and making portable a lot of what a developer does while deploying his web applications or, or any any kind of complex application stack. Um, but as these new uh, abstraction players have been introduced. Um, on one end, they have uh, you know, helped the problems of scale and agility, but on the other end, while doing that, they've also introduced uh, a non-trivial amount of complexity in the management and maintenance and operational lives of uh, DevOps or uh, IT teams. Right, So that's the challenge we see the uh, the, the DevOps or IT teams facing, which is on one end, they need to support, I would say about three or four different types of infrastructure today, which was not true before. It's uh, at least bare metal and virtual and containers in many cases. On the other, they also need to support or be relevant by uh, enabling uh, at least two distinct cloud endpoints. Um, Which is part of the strategy for every single mid to large site organization today, which is they want to be cloud neutral, and so they want to be they want to deploy their infrastructure on private uh, private data centers and at least one public cloud or at least two public clouds. Right, And so um, the the IT teams really need the right kind of tool set to manage and make sense of all this complexity and the proliferation of tools that results from that. Um, So that's the problem we see. And and again, you know, uh, you've heard this from me multiple times, Eric. but we think the only way to slice through this complexity, which is going to continue extending and increasing in the future, is by deploying more and more tools uh, that are provided as a service. Uh, because then, and only then, you're fully detached from the operational know-how and behind the scene details of, of these tools, while you just focus on leveraging them. Um, so that's the that's the advice that we give to companies when we partner with them. Our, our portfolio fully supports that model. Um, the second piece that you know we feel passionate about and that we recommend are, uh, you know enterprise companies to adopt heavily in general is being is being more aligned with open source. We believe very strongly that open source is going to be the only way in which any new innovation in infrastructure management is going to happen in the future and that's already becoming very clear, right? So you take a large risk if you associate your infrastructure software stack that you are purchasing today, in 2017, uh, if you still continue investing in uh, primarily closed-source infrastructure management stack, right? Because you are uh, further getting into uh, a vendor lock-in, you're possibly associating with a product that might not have the, the, the kind of ecosystem or the broader uh, vendor support in terms of integrations, et cetera, that an equivalent open source product does. But most importantly, that product stack is never gonna match the level of innovation and continuous iteration that an equivalent open source stack is always gonna see because it's cloud and because so many intelligent people from across the world are working with the goal of making it better every day. Right. So we think that the way to slice through this complexity is by inherently adopting and making open source a critical part of your strategy for any enterprise um, so that you leverage all this innovation and you stay relevant um, and cloud-native, um, and by deploying tools that are delivered as a service, fundamentally.
0: Excellent. I think uh, as, as, the, as the famous quote from Jerry Maguire goes, you had me at open source or something like that. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> right. I definitely agree. Uh, so this has been great. Thank you very much for taking the time, Madura. I, uh, I, it's always a pleasure. Uh, it's, I love learning from you uh, and, and have done so many times and, and, and it's great to, you know, validate some of the thoughts that I've, I've had and learn so much more about, you know, as seeing the work that you're doing in the field. And, and again, you, you bring such a, a great colorful history to how you've, You've you've been in the industry, done really really neat things. Uh, very and and really, I love the platform and I'm approach. Uh, you've got a great team there, and uh, yeah, it's definitely we'll all get some scheduled up so we can chat with him and, and share share more about what's going on with Fission uh, for folks that want to find out about that. Of course, the believe it's Fission.io, uh, F-I-S-S-I-O-N, and uh, and of course uh, now. I'm, I'm terrible. I should actually know the URL off, off by heart but Platform9. I remember it was Platform9Sys.com at one point. <laughs> where And where do we find uh, more about Platform9?
1: It's Platform9.com. Um, and so go to the website. You'll find all the relevant content about what we do. You can reach out to us at info at Platform9.com if you have any more questions. Or you can always uh, DM me directly on Twitter.
0: Perfect. Again, thanks very much, Madura. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll. Uh, I, I encourage folks to take a look. Congratulations to the team on the uh, the recent funding news, and and we look forward to seeing much more. and And uh, we'll hopefully catch up at an event. And for folks, of course, you know, watch Platform Nine tends to appear to a lot of of very key events and uh, so we'll, we'll watch out for, for stuff that's going on at, obviously I'm going to assume you're going to be at VMworld and, uh, and AWS reInvent I think we, we uh, bumped into your team at last year so it's, it's great to see you know all the, the new faces joining the firm as well out in, out in the field
1: Fantastic, thanks Eric and uh, Likewise, it's always a pleasure connecting with you and uh, looking forward to uh, what comes next
0: If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.